welcome to this edition of the Gateway Podcast. For more information about our faith community, feel free to visit gatewaychurch.org.nz. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this message. Good evening, everyone. Hey, welcome along to Gateway this evening. So thrilled that you're here with us. If you're visiting over this holiday period, warm welcome. If you're a regular, so thrilled you're back. Uh, If you're a regular, you'll know that over the last six or so, probably even more than that now, maybe even eight weeks, we have been doing in the evening service a study in the person and ministry of the Holy Spirit. We started off looking at his personality, Chris did some sessions on his power, and then I did about four on pictures of the Holy Spirit. We're drawing to an end. Uh, Tonight I want to speak on the prepositions of the Holy Spirit. Okay, and now I know that some of you are thinking, "I want my money back." I didn't come to—I didn't come for a grammar lesson. Okay, well, if you gave us some money, we might consider giving it back. But I know that most of you haven't, so therefore you—you're you're just in for a free grammar lesson. Okay. Um, let me let me explain what I'm what I'm doing and in, in looking at the prepositions that are used um, with regard to the Holy Spirit, because it has to do with cultivating a relationship with this incredibly special person. Um, A missionary once spoke about how he got to learn a particular language. And he said, first I got the nouns by pointing to specific uh, objects and asking, what are they? He said, secondly, I got the verbs by asking, what do these things do? He said, thirdly, I got the prepositions by asking the relationship of that object to this object. And in pondering the the propositions, the prepositions, which are used in um, relation to the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, we are trying to work out what is the relationship between him and us. What does he expect in the relationship that we have with him? And so what I'm hoping to do is um, just... It'll be brief, all right? So if you're not into grammar, don't worry. But what I'm hoping to do is kind of talk to these prepositions and see how it is that we are called to relate to the Holy Spirit. And I want to start by um, showing you a diagram. Those are the prepositions of the Holy Spirit that we're going to very, very quickly look at. And you'll see the arrows uh, give a relationship in terms of uh, what these prepositions point to, what they, what they are trying to say to us. The prepositions enable us to determine the relationship that one object has to another. So, let's look at them very briefly. I'm going to start top right, and I'm going to work my way down. The diagram won't always be there, but um, if you want a copy of it later, we can get it to you. So, the first preposition that's used is the one peri, and it means to be around something. While while it literally means to surround or be around, when it's used in the scripture, more often than not, it's better translated concerning. Um, It's used a number of times of the Holy Spirit, and it's used on one occasion uh, that gives an illustration of this in, in John chapter 15, verse 26, where it says that the Holy Spirit shall testify of me. And the preposition thereof is the Greek word peri. And, and it literally means to concern oneself with uh, a, a sphere of operations, if you like. The Holy Spirit's sphere of concern is Jesus. His absorbing passion 
is to mediate, to minister, to magnify Jesus. And he wants us to be engulfed in and concerned with the things that concern him. He wants us to be introduced to the sphere of his concern, which is regarding the beauty of this person that we call Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. He wants to bring you in. He wants to testify of Jesus, bring you into the circle of his concern. The second one is the word epi, which literally means upon. This preposition relates to the Holy Spirit's activity in his power in our lives. There's, with this preposition, a sense of motion and intention. And it's used to describe the Holy Spirit coming down upon the lives of believers with the intention that we would be empowered, that we would be activated, that we would be changed. It's the word that's used when Jesus gets up at the very beginning of his ministry in the uh, synagogue at Nazareth, and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And the, the preposition that he uses is this preposition, epi. And, and the dramatic impact of his ministry in healing the sick, giving sight to the blind, preaching the good news to the poor, is directly related to the empowering of the Holy Spirit that came upon him. In, in Acts chapter 10, verse 8, it says that God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. There is something that came upon him. Now, he says to the disciples, he uses that same preposition when he said, you wait in Jerusalem, you tarry there until I send the promise of my Father upon you. There, there's, there's a relationship to the Holy Spirit where he comes upon us, empowering us. And the book of Acts records a number of occasions when the Spirit of the Lord, epi, upon a group of people, he came upon them. And the result was always that they were empowered to give witness, often with supernatural signs, to the truth claims of Jesus the Messiah. So Acts chapter 10, verse 44, the Holy Ghost fell upon them. In Acts chapter 19, the Holy Ghost came upon them. There is this experience where the Holy Spirit comes upon our lives, and from that moment on, there is a difference. It's my conviction from the teachings of the Scripture that every believer is to have a coming upon experience where you're empowered to uh, be a witness for Christ in the way that you live. And I want to ask the question, have you had that experience? Can you think of a time when the Spirit of God came upon you? I think during this series, a number of times I've talked about my upon experience. I, I sought God for months and months and months looking for this empowering experience that the Bible calls the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And it says that this experience is available to all believers. It's not necessarily the same thing as being converted, although it can happen at that time. Sometimes it's separated. You, you know that Jesus breathed on the disciples in, in John chapter 20 in the upper room. He breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. However, it was on the day of Pentecost, some 40 days later, that the coming upon experience happened to them. In Acts chapter 19, Paul arrives at a group of Christians at Ephesus and he says to them, have you received the coming upon of the Holy Spirit since you believed? Now seriously folks, if people say you get all the Holy Spirit when you get saved, that's a nonsensical question. 
If, Paul, if Paul's theology is such that when you open your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and everything that he wants to do in your life, he does at that moment, then Paul's saying, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed, is, is like saying, have you received the Holy Spirit when you received the Holy Spirit? It's a nonsensical question. He understood that you can open up your life to the to the, to, to the message of the gospel, that you can put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and yet not have experience a, a coming upon. You read the book of Acts in chapter 8. Philip goes down to Samaria, preaches the gospel to them. They believe the gospel. They receive uh, baptism in water. And yet it says, it, it, while it says there's great joy in that city, it says as yet the Holy Ghost had not fallen or come upon any of them. Well, if you get everything that the Holy Spirit has to give you at salvation, that experience doesn't make any sense. The apostles come from Jerusalem down to Samaria, lay hands on them, and it says the Holy Ghost came upon them. There is an upon experience that all believers are intended to have. And, and I don't mean to be um, sort of bullying in this, but I, I do want to cajole you somewhat and say if you haven't had that experience, then you should be asking for it. You should be seeking it. You should not be settling for less than that. Jesus said, don't you dare leave Jerusalem until you've experienced the coming upon of the Holy Ghost because he's the one who will give you the power to be all that I've intended you to be. So if that's not your experience, then can I encourage you to start praying and make it your experience? In fact, God willing, next Sunday night we might talk about this subject and give time to praying for people so that that can be their experience. So put it aside, if you say, well, you know, when you say, have you received the coming upon, and I haven't, then come and let us pray with you and for you. Another preposition is the preposition ek, ek, and it means out of. The idea here is that the spiritual life that we receive flows out of the Holy Spirit's presence in us. So Galatians 6 says, don't deceive yourself, no one makes a fool of God, you will reap exactly what you plant. If you plant in the field of your natural desires, from it you will gather the harvest of death. If you plant in the field of the Spirit, from or ek or out of the Spirit, you will gather the harvest of eternal life. So spiritual life and progress comes out of the Holy Spirit's resource and presence within our lives. If we give place to his touch, if we sow into that sphere, we posture ourselves to allow everything that he intends for us to be realized. We live out of that resource that he's placed within us. There's another preposition. It's the preposition apo, A-P-O, and it means to be away from. This preposition highlights the Holy Spirit's coming to us from or out of God's presence with heavenly authority. So we see it in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. To them it was revealed that not to themselves but to us they ministered the things which are now reported to you by those who have preached the gospel to you in the Holy Spirit, sent from, upo, out of heaven, which things angels desire to live in. Just as an ambassador is sent from one country, sent out of that country to another and acts as you like, if you like, as a medium between the both of them, so the Holy Spirit comes out of or away from the court of heaven to the court of his earthly residence, which is you and I, the temple of the Holy Ghost, to act as an agent for heaven's government. Dia, D-I-A, which means through. 
This preposition indicates the instrument by means of which or or through which a a mission or an action is accomplished. So, for example, the word dire is continually used in the case of Jesus to indicate the blessings that we receive through or dire our Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever we get by way of blessings comes through Christ. Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through or dire out of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's, there's nothing by way of blessing that we receive that doesn't come as a result of Christ's instrumentality on our behalf. It's through him and him alone. And the same is true in terms of the Holy Spirit's activity in your life and my life. Without him, we are without resource. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are conferred by means of the Holy Spirit through his instrumentality. That's why 1 Corinthians 12 says, for through the Spirit, dia is given one word of wisdom to one word of wisdom to another word of knowledge to another, according to the same Spirit, gifts of healing, tongues, prophecy, so on. It comes through dire his instrumentality in our lives. Any strength that we receive comes through his touch. In Ephesians it says that he would grant to you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through dire his spirit in our inner man. We desperately need the Holy Spirit's presence. We need him working in us. He comes out of heaven to work through us. If you're going to work in, walk in purity in this world of incredible corruption, it'll only come as a result of his energy working in you. 1 Peter 1.22 says, Purifying your souls in the obedience of the truth through the Spirit. Purity comes through his instrumentality working deeply and profoundly in us as we open up to him. The Holy Spirit is the active, energetic worker who produces in the people of God all that is required to please God. He works both to will and to do of the Father's good pleasure in us. All that's required for us to be what we're intended to be comes through his instrumentality. Another preposition that's used often with the Holy Spirit is the the preposition kata, K-A-T-A. And that denotes an action from higher to lower. It's an interesting word, and it's used in different senses. In in one form, the genitive form, it signifies down from, against, and in opposition to. So it kind of has a little bit of a negative connotation. It's used that way when Jesus spoke to the church at Ephesus, and he says, I have this against you, and it's the word kata. He's saying, I stand in opposition to you on this point. You have lost your first love. He says to that church. And that's, that's the preposition that gives this idea. In relation to the Holy Spirit, it's used in Matthew chapter 12, verse 32. And it says, Whosoever speaks against kata, the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him either in this world or the world to come. This is a scripture that bothers a lot of people. I think, you know, we know that God forgives all sins except this particular one that's called blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And, and I've, over the years of ministry, you know, I've had a lot of people come to me deeply concerned that they may have done something that has offended God and they've stepped over the mark in terms of this particular sin. Let me just say to you, if you're concerned about it, you haven't done it. Because people who have done it don't give a rip. Okay? 
People who have done it are so far removed that, that their conscience is, is uh, seared and it doesn't bother them that they've done it. And if it troubles you that you might have, I want to just tell you, you, you haven't. Okay? Um, but this sin is an interesting one. It's terrible because it is, is essentially man in his presumption setting himself up above the Holy Spirit and pronouncing judgment on his actions rather than being the other way around, rather than being submitted to the Holy Spirit and under his directions. We stand as the one above and the kata, the looking down on is what we do in terms of his ministry rather than the other way around. It's incredibly presumptuous. When kata is used in the accusative form, it denotes something being done according to a standard that's handed down from above. A standard handed from above down to us in terms of obedience that's required. So, for example, the scripture speaks of Moses building the tabernacle according to a kata, the pattern. A pattern was given to him to follow. We are to be directed by the Holy Spirit according to the standard or pattern determined by a heavenly kingdom. We live under his rule, with him above us, directing us, giving us a way of life to live. You know, with, without living under his directions, you will live under somebody else's. You know, Bob Dylan says you've got to serve somebody, and you do. And I want to tell you, if you're not serving Jesus, you're not serving nothing. You know, I think it was G.K. Chesterton who said, when people stop worshiping God, they worship anything. You, you always will worship. You always will live your life according to some pattern. And if you're not serving Jesus, you'll live according to another one. And Ephesians chapter 2 outlines where that another one will come from. It says, and he has made you alive who were once dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once worked according to, or kata, or underneath the course of this world, kata, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Friends, if you don't walk under Jesus' obedience, you walk under somebody else's. The Bible talks about the fact that we are slaves, either to sin or to freedom and love, but you are nonetheless under somebody's authority. You have the choice as to whose it will be. That's the only choice. So we get directions from somebody, we get to choose whose pattern will direct our lives. And that preposition, kata, talks about us receiving that pattern from above, from the Holy Spirit. There's another one that's quite closely related to kata, another preposition. It's the preposition hupo, and it means to be underneath. This preposition denotes um, something uh, being underneath, underneath us, bearing us up, and it's often used in regard to the leading of the Holy Spirit. In the morning sessions, we are doing a series calling, uh, which is called Being Led by the Spirit. Maybe later in the year, depending on where we go, I, I might do that with this congregation. But the idea is that his hand is under us, directing our lives, leading the people of God. It's the word used in Matthew 4, 1, when it says Jesus was led by hupo, the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 26, it talks about Simeon and it said, and it happened to him being instructed by or hupo, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was underneath him, guiding and directing his life. You know, Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says, the mature sons and daughters of God are led by the spirit. 
It's, it's our birthright to experience the leadings of the Holy Spirit, not just to have somebody else talk about them, not just to have somebody else tell their amazing stories of what happened to them in Afghanistan or Pakistan or you know the Congo. It's something that's supposed to happen to us in the regular outworking of our lives, where truly we hear his leading at times. I mean, it might not be every day. I'm not talking about every single day there's a supernatural vision, dream, word from God. But, but friends, he's our friend. He walks with us. He instructs us. He talks to us. There are times that he'll tell you things. A while ago, Karen lost some keys. And we'd hunted the house for them. Just couldn't find them anywhere. And I don't know why it took me so long to do it. But I sat down and said, Lord, where are those things? And right then in my mind, I saw a picture. No, I'm not talking a TV screen. I'm not talking 3D reality. I'm just talking a mental picture. And I saw a Bible case with a pocket in it and the keys in the pocket. I thought, right, where is that thing? Went and found the Bible case, put my hand in, and lo and behold, the keys that we've been looking for. Does he always help me find lost objects? I wish. <laughs> no, but on that occasion, he just told me where it was. And I've had experiences like that with things that are much more important than a set of lost keys where I needed direction. I needed to know something. And he spoke to me about it. He led me. Sometimes, sometimes actually, he doesn't lead you so much in the sense that you know he's leading you, but, but in hindsight, you look back and you know, man, he led me. You know, in the book of Ruth, it talks about Ruth... And, uh, you know, the dear old King James says, her hap was to light upon the field that belonged to Boaz. So, so what that's saying is, coincidentally, accidentally, Boaz, uh, Ruth goes into Boaz's field. In, in the Hebrew, the idea is um, intersecting beams. The, the Hebrew word is used in buildings where, you, where one beam intersects with another. And what that was saying was Ruth wasn't even aware that her life was being led at that point in time. But underneath her, hupo is these, uh, these hands which, which guide her into this field. And from that field, she ultimately ends up in Boaz's home as Boaz's wife in the lineage of Jesus Christ through coincidentally finding herself in that field. Hupo, the hand of God underneath her, leading her. G.K. Chesterton used to say, I'm sorry, it was Soren Kierkegaard, he said, we live life going forward, we often understand it looking backwards. Sometimes the leading of God is like that. It's not always that he speaks to you about what to do in front of you. You just do it and you look back and you see you are being led, but all the way he leads. He wants to be related to you. He wants to be involved in your life. And as you ask for it, he will. Some, some of us just, you know, we, we don't ask. And James says, you don't have it because you don't ask for it. Ask, seek, knock. I was talking to the folk this morning about the whole area of dreams and, and hearing from God in that area. We don't, we don't have it in our lives simply because we don't expect it. We don't ask for it. But the interesting thing is once you start asking, once you start expecting, then expectation is the springboard of faith. And it's amazing when you start asking how much it starts happening. There's another preposition. It's the word para, which means beside. 
This preposition denotes, denotes to be in close proximity to someone, to proceed from the side of somebody. And we're told that the Holy Spirit has been sent from the side of the Father, para, from the Father to us. He's come out of the intimate presence of the Father, from his store or wealth to direct and to lead and to empower us. He comes with heaven's resources from the side of the Father to be by our side. The paraclete, para. There's another one that means into, and that means we are immersed in something. It's Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, to be immersed in his spirit. Listen, when you take a sponge and you immerse it into, a, into some water, every pore of that sponge ultimately is filled if you leave it long, if you leave it long enough. And when you pull that sponge up, it's just overflowing. That's the idea. He wants to overflow our lives, not just occasionally to sprinkle it, but to immerse us into his life. And I understand that's process. I know that that's something that we long for. We don't experience perhaps as much as we would like. But again, as we cry out for it, as we pray, as we ask for it. You know, sometimes I've talked about invoking the presence of the Holy Spirit and people say, that's ridiculous, Don. He's, he's everywhere. Yeah, of course I know he's everywhere. But there's a difference between his everywhere presence and his manifest presence. And it's the manifest presence that we are asking for when we invoke his presence. It says of the early church that they lived, um, if most Bibles say they lived in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The, the literal rendering of is they lived in the invocation of the Holy Spirit. They lived calling the Spirit down to their side. You know, you go into a traditional church and they'll often have at the beginning of the service what they call the invocation, where they say, Holy Spirit, come. The early church lived invoking his presence. Many of us take it completely for granted, never bother asking. I'm not necessarily a great fan of Benny Hinn. I, you know, I'm, uh, I don't, I mean, obviously, I just don't know a whole lot about his ministry, although I know people who have been dramatically healed by uh, the, the Lord in his ministry. What I do really appreciate about the man is the book he wrote called Good Morning, Holy Spirit, and some of you may have read it, where the very first thing he says in the morning is he wakes up and he says, Good morning, Holy Spirit, where he lives in that sense of his presence, where he invokes his presence. And that's what this is inviting us to do, to invoke being immersed in his presence. There's another preposition. There's lots of them, okay? We're nearly there, by the way. Pros, P-R-O-S, which means toward. It signifies the coming of one person to another. It's used when Nicodemus came to the Lord Jesus Christ by night. And it's used of the Holy Spirit. I will send him, prost, to you. I will send him to your side. The promise of the Father. You know, somebody has said there are 30,000 plus promises in the word of God. Only one of them is called the promise of the Father. And it's the Holy Spirit's presence sent to you. Don't, don't, don't be in a place where you are um, superficial, or um, half-hearted in response to that promise. You know, how would you feel if you had saved up for something to give 
an unbelievable gift to somebody that you treasured and they were incredibly half-hearted in relationship to it. There's probably nothing that would break your heart more. How how do you think the father feels when he says, I have a promise for you? It's my promise to you. And we go, whatever, maybe, I'm open to it. I was talking about that this morning. You know, there's people who are open to salvation who will never be saved because you're not saved by being open to it. You are saved by being committed to it. And there's a huge difference to being open to the Holy Spirit or being committed to the person of the Holy Spirit where you step into this. This is a deliberate action whereby you put your hand up and say, count me in. Friends, we need to be counted in. And by the way, the next preposition is exactly that word, en, which means in. This word has the idea of resting in something. It's probably preferable that we would use the word abide. It comes to reside or abide in us. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him. I love the German translation of that. It says the world does not have an eye for the Holy Spirit. Um, it's, not, it's, not a, it's not a phrase you hear a lot these days. But when we were growing up, when we knew a guy had a real thing going on for a girl, we would say, oh, he's got a real eye for her. The world does not have an eye for the Holy Spirit. It doesn't give a rip. But you and I are to be different. We're supposed to have an eye for him. We're really keen on him. We really look to him. You know, you know when you've got a, an eye for a girl, you're constantly looking over to wonder, see if she might be looking your way. We're constantly looking over, and I'll tell you what, the joy is the Holy Spirit is always looking back, okay? The world doesn't have an eye for him. The contrast is we're supposed to. The world doesn't receive him because it doesn't see or know him, but you know him, he dwells in you, and he shall be in, E-N, in you, abide in you. The Holy Spirit comes to abide. Then another one is the word hooper. This covers everything, isn't it? Around, under, through, out of, toward, over. He's trying to tell us by all these prepositions, he's interested in every single part of your life. Any way he can come to you, he wants to. He wants to be under you, guiding you. He wants to come to your side. He wants to be in you. He wants to come upon you. Out of all of these prepositions, what you need to hear is his intense desire for you. He wants it reciprocated. He wants us to have an eye for him. Hooper is the word that denotes one bending over another with the idea of protection and aid. So in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us. Hooper, with groanings that cannot be uttered. He bends over us to assist us, to protect us. When we most need his touch, when we don't know how to function, he's there bending over us. The Holy Spirit comes to aid, to help, to touch, to empower, to be under, to be over, to flow through, to flow out of. He wants to immerse every part of your life. He's really interested in you. Do you know that? He's really keen on you. He's got an eye for you. 
He's got a plan for you. And part of that plan is to immerse you into the area of his concerns, which are Jesus. To minister, to magnify, to mediate the beauty of Jesus. He wants to drag you, kicking and screaming if necessary, into the circle of his absorbing passion. I don't want to come kicking and screaming. I want to come invoking his presence. Me, pick me, I'm in, I'm in. And I really, really hope you do too. Thanks for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. Again, check out gatewaychurch.org.nz to find out what's going on within our church.